In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today we have a very special guest with us, Pam Ehrlichman, who is the CMO for Jebit. Yes, Jebit. Hi, awesome. thanks for having awesome. me. Great to meet you. Great to meet you as well. Pam, before we get started, why don't you give us a little glimpse into uh, who Pam is and uh, if you don't mind, go into the company a little as well. Sure, of course. So, hey everybody, thanks thanks for having me today. Um like Bobby said, I'm Pam Ehrlichman. I am Chief Marketing Officer of Jebit. I just hit my three-year anniversary uh, last week. Prior to that, from a from a work perspective, I was at Oracle Data Logics that got acquired by Oracle Data Cloud prior to joining Jebit through that acquisition of Oracle and stayed on for about three three years after that. And then prior to that, I was 10 years Digitas Boston. So on the agency side working across a number of uh, retail, CPG, travel brands. That is awesome. Tell us a little bit more about Jevit. What do you you guys do at Jevit? We are at the intersection of consumer experiences and first-party declared data. And so we're a SaaS platform that allows brands to go in and build uh, fully branded, beautiful, interactive experiences. So think about things like uh, product finders, personality quizzes, trivia, interactive content, and more. And through building those, brands are asking consumers really important questions that they need to know to personalize that experience, you know, that in the moment experience, as well as all subsequent experiences. So we call that data declared data. Forrester calls it zero party data. But essentially, it's a form of first party data that is given explicitly and willingly to the brand from consumers directly. Walk me through a location that maybe has Jebit. Um, So when I walk in as a consumer and that location has your technology, how do I interact with your technology in that location? Most brands use us in digital settings. So so on their website, you might get to a brand and it might say... um, you know, how, how can we help you today? Answer three questions and the, you know, three or four questions and they'll redirect you exactly to the product that's right for them. So you may come across an ad on Facebook and Instagram that might say, you know, what, what your hair personality says about you or, or find your right hair type or, you know, shampoo for your hair type or things like that. And then a lot of brands are also using us in email as well. Same thing. So instead of a subject line of shop now, it might be a more engaging and, and consumer-oriented subject line, again, like find, find the right product or, or things like that. In retail locations, the way brands use us is through a QR code, mostly. So more and more brands, um, you know, and I think you and I'll get into this a little bit, but the resurgence of QR codes is certainly a way that brands are starting to use Jebit more and more. So put it, putting us on packaging and positioning or at an end cap or something like that to, again, give that maybe custom recommendation in the moment or be able to even do fun things like sweepstakes or, or whatnot, any kind of gamification. 
And what is uh, what do customers, your customers get uh, in the sense of what are successes that they get with Jebit? The metrics span the gamut. So Jebit experiences absolutely increase engagement because if you think about us as a consumer, would I rather scroll endlessly and try to find a product myself or would I rather answer, you know, three or four questions to get a custom recommendation in the moment. So certainly increasing those initial engagement rates, lead capture rates. We see engagement with our experiences upwards of 85 to 90% for most brands, meaning once someone starts the experience, 85 to 90% of them go all the way through and finish it. Through that process, we see lead capture rates in the 40% and higher ranges. So again, if you think about a lot of retail websites today, soon as you get there, they're popping up, you know, give us your email address and get 10 or 15% off. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's kind of the analogy of like trying to put a ring on it before your first date. You know, I don't even know you yet. I don't know if I want to shop you and you're already asking me for my personal information. So again, giving something of benefit and value to begin with is a much better way to engage. And then of course, you know, through that process, direct sales, a lot of clients are, are seeing much higher improvement on time on site, sales through experiences, et cetera. And then I would say that the metrics that more and more, especially with news like Apple and Google changing things, a lot of brands are just looking for better and more data on their consumers. So certainly the end benefit of of having these experiences for brands is learning about that consumer's preferences and interests and motivations in being able to, to scale their first party data. How have things changed during COVID and during kind of the pandemic? Have things changed for your customers or in general, how they use Jebit? Yeah, as much as we hate to, sick of talking about COVID, it it had a huge impact. Brick and mortar retailers had to deal with how do I provide that same guided selling experience in digital? Then what happens when you walk in and, and talk to an associate, right? We know I won't recite the massive e-commerce growth that we all experienced last year. And so our business uh, saw a lot of growth because brands had to figure out how do I replicate that guided experience now in a digital setting. And so it's funny, as I mentioned, we sort of have two sides of our coin, both the interactive experiences and data. But during the pandemic, what we really saw was more people just focused on a better digital experience, more the front end the quizzes and those guided ex- ex- guided selling experiences to make do without a sales associate helping somebody. How do you think interactions with uh, customers, you know, interacting with your brand change uh, or did they change? Right. Uh, I mean, you, 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 you kind of talked about it right now where e-com kind of blew up. Did that change consumer behavior in any way for like how, how you measure it uh, in the sense of growth, in the sense of more engagement, in the sense of anything that you, you witnessed? during this time as well? So we saw a lot of growth last year in in new business, but because brands were searching for better ways to engage. But what we also saw was where existing customers might have just had one product recommendation quiz or, or you know, one or two experiences that they, they, that they used in an evergreen setting. They needed to get creative. So they started creating a lot of other types of experiences like quizzes and interactive content in seasonal and promotional things and in a lot of other ways to use us to, again, keep keep trying to get when everyone's competing now in the same channel, when it's digital, you know, there was so much more competition 
get your brand noticed and engaged with. So we saw a lot more experimentation and new types of um, experiences being tested by our existing customers. What are some of the value drivers that you've seen kind of change for customers and or again, if you don't mind, also kind of pinpointing if they have changed you know, drastically since COVID? I mean, we, we want to call we want to hopefully call this period you know, coming out of COVID. <laughs> but but uh, you know, depending how you look at it, what are some of the value drivers that you uh, think are kind of pushing uh, customers to, uh, to purchase today? We didn't see a change in the value drivers during during COVID. Um, Jebit has been at this about eight years now, and through that time, we've been able to really study what gets that what's that initial screen, what is that value exchange that gets a consumer to engage in one of these experiences. And so, for us, it boils down to six core versions of genuine value. What we say, which is give give me a recommendation, save me time, save me money, teach me something test my knowledge. Who doesn't love a quiz, right? And be tested on their knowledge. on (laughs) And then the last one being unlock a benefit for me. So it might be unlocking a piece of content. It might be unlocking a loyalty, you know, points or, or benefit in some shape. But those are the six that we see our brands use in it, you know, day in and day out that drive really high engagement. And that's not to say we certainly have brands that still will use us for a monetary incentive, you know, want to give a deal or a discount to two brands, but knowing that promo budgets are always so tight, like what we'll say is you don't have to, you can, if you want to, but we've, we've proven over and over again, that these forms of genuine value will drive just as much engagement as a monetary reward. You talk about this kind of notion of declared data. First, tell us about that. And then I'm I have some questions around that, but yeah, tell us about what, what is declared data? Declared data is a form of first-party data that is directly given by consumers. So when you think about the world of first-party data, you think about behavioral and transactional, which are observed, right? Those are observed behaviors. And so you may get it right, but you also may get it wrong because what it does is lack context. It lacks timing, which is why so many people get frustrated with retargeting, right? Just because I clicked on something, you don't know that it's actually for me, it could be a gift. And you don't know that I actually bought it and you're still following me around forever. So what de- the difference between declared data we say is, is often it's the explicit versus observed because you're asking the consumer directly. And oftentimes when done right, it's the why, not the what. You know, And so getting that context of what's the emotional drivers, who is it for, when do you need it, all of those things that you cannot get from observed behavior. The brands that that do this really well, that's what they're focused on. And how do they how do they use the data? Do they use it in aggregate or, or do some use it on a customer? Like do these tie in, does your data tie into like loyalty programs where they can kind of push more incentives through or, or how, how do some of the brands use your data? First and foremost, what we say is we're not trying to replace anything in, in the tech stack. Like Jebit sits on top of in streaming into wherever brands you know, whatever systems they want their data in. So whether it's a loyalty program, whether it's, you know, Salesforce, some other system, we're just helping enhance and increase the amount of the, and improve uh, the accuracy of the data that the brands have and are working with. And so they are using it both on a personalization level to enhance that, that specific customer's engagement, but they're also using it in aggregation for improved segmentation and insights. So again, in the moment, 
because there is branching logic in, in, in decisioning, you know, you're giving me a better experience based on the questions I'm answering. And so my outcome is going to be personalized to me. Brands can also obviously keep that information and, and hopefully they continue, whether in email follow-up or however they choose to contact me, continue to make that experience personal based on what I've told them about myself. But also a lot of brands are then looking at that aggregate information about what all their customers are telling them and using it to help, again, their segmentation strategy, general customer insights, even in some cases, you know, working with the merchandising and product SKUs team to, to inform how a new product is positioned or launched and things like that. What do customers tell you about how your declared data has has you know changed the the way that they actually provide experiences to their customers. It's funny. Uh, we had we had one client tell us basically if if they want every a large brand in every single one of their sites should have a product finder greeting greeting someone and not making customers do the work anymore. Right. So for instance, if I'm looking for a pair of jeans. My options previously were, you know, to, to use the nav on the left or scroll endlessly to figure out the genes that I want versus I want high rise, I want flare bottoms, I want this, I want that, and then instantly having it all filter down to the recommendations right for me. So first and foremost, it's just a way better consumer experience that consumers do, do appreciate. And you said, um, you know, most of the experiences are digital or online or, or at least start, get initiated from an online type source. One of the things that we hear a lot from, you know, our, um, you know, listeners and, and also companies trying to create kind of that in-location experience is because what COVID did and what the pandemic did is, is part of the shopping behavior in-store has changed for some. I'm not going to say for all, but some. As they come in, you know, interactions are different. Maybe they're less comfortable going up to a salesperson right from the beginning. You know, we actually had a, a client uh, recently, they have 12 different cuts of jeans. They wanted people to be able to learn about you know the twelve different cuts easy easily if if a salesperson was not available. How do you use your platform to be able to you know accentuate or, or provide that same sort of experience that you're doing online in in locations to help some of these retailers? Yeah, the beauty is what they're creating for online purposes can and should absolutely be used when they walk into the store. So if someone doesn't want to bother a sales associate, they want to go in and out, you know, get in and out coming into a screen immediately to an in-store screen saying, what, you know, what can I help you with today? And answering those same questions about your gene preferences can easily say, you know, if, if it's express, you know, you should go look at the Emily genes over there based on what you answered for us. So it can and should still work like that concierge experience, just allowing consumers to shop the way they want to shop, right? A lot of people don't want to talk to someone and don't to bother someone they want to get in and out so in that case it work it works exactly the same just on a screen in store yeah it's interesting because uh, you know the same way that you go to a restaurant now or like a quick service restaurant you can go into the kiosk and order order yourself i envision i know this is a little bit different but envision this kind of being a similar experience in the sense of i just want to go and i want to pick the pa- pair of jeans i want to go to the counter and buy them and leave versus um you know having to spend 15 20 30 minutes whatever talking to a salesperson so creating that self-service you know, type experience, which I think is going to become increasingly important in the coming days for sure. Absolutely agree. That, you know, guided selling experience the way you want it, whether whether human or or whether interactive is absolutely the way brands need to go. Because you, you have to you have to be able to have how they want to shop, when they want to shop available. 
Pam, what do you think, what technology do you think is going to have the biggest impact, you know, kind of going forward in the next few years as we see, you know, retail and, and kind of restaurateurs and, and brick and mortar operators really evolve? What's the technology that you think we're going to start to see more and more of? So I'd say there's two. One is, which is funny enough, again, there is a huge resurgence of QR codes. I think they came out too early and consumers weren't ready for them. And, and now we're seeing the use of those increase more and more. It's a, pe- consumers get it now. It's easy. You know, and again, you can, you can take that in-store experience into something digital, which allows you to capture the data, allows you to give a recommendation on consumers' terms. The other that I personally, you know, nothing to do with Jebit, but, but I'm jazzed about, and I think this might be more of your world, is, is sort of those virtual fitting rooms, the virtual makeup, the virtual, like being able to do that pre-shop and seeing yourself in it. And then I guess the, the holy grail would be being able to do that online, right? Have that virtual fitting room and then sort of sending that stuff into the store. So when I, to your point, I want to get in and out, you know, I can walk in and have the things I identified that I think I want to try on ready for me in the dressing room and, and I can get in and out of there quickly. What is the favorite place to shop because of the experience? Like what, what are, what are um, you know, brands that you love to shop with just because of the experience they create? It's probably sounds cliche, but obviously the fact that you can go into any Apple store and test and play with everything is always amazing, right? And then I, I love this. This is somewhat biased, but I love what our clients at Express are doing in terms of, again, the, the giving great rewards and inspiration and ideas in a digital setting and then really helping guide the customer when they when they get in the store. Yeah, I think uh, typically it's interesting. No matter who you talk to, you know, Apple, Nike uh, tend to come up as two of the best experiences. And I think a large portion of it is because they, A, allow you to touch and feel. But two is, you know, you get that feeling, that vibe of, of like being in, in somewhere cool, I guess, for lack of a better word, and somewhere like a progressive, right? Uh, and, and I think... Uh, that's what that's what engages you know customers nowadays. They want to feel like they're shopping with a brand that's kind of for. I mean, people have different thoughts uh, about what, what's important to them, but overall, forward-thinking brands. You know, brands. Some some people care about sustainability. Other people care about you know what's my shopping experience in location. You know, there, there's different things, but high level, I think technology is playing a bigger role in, in locations now. So now more than ever. Yeah, I will say this isn't a story, and, and I it might have been a Best Buy. I'm trying to remember, but there was a great. I'm a mom of three, and so trying to shop and also entertain children um, <laughs> too. And there was a great Nintendo end cap, and I think it was a Best Buy. Maybe it was a Target, but again, there was there was a QR code on the display for N- Nintendo Switches. And I got to pop that QR code, sample the game they were trying to promote, and hand my phone over to my daughter to to let her play with it for a little bit and keep her entertained. So again, not the full store experience, but experience is more and more like that. A recipe finder, you know, at, at NCAP from McCormick or something like that. I think um, giving that inspiration or entertainment or whatever it may be in that moment is great way to engage consumers. 100%, 100%. Yeah, we uh I have a 7-year-old son as well and it's interesting because we go to the same mediocre restaurant which I won't name, but mediocre restaurant, you know, every every Tuesday, sometimes Wednesday, and it's because of the experience. They have, you know, an iPad on the table, you know, we can engage and play kind of family games if you will. 
during the time that we're eating. And it, it, it's interesting what pulls people in. And I know, you know, we're talking about kids right now, but what pulls people in and what keeps them coming back to the brand is much more than the, than the offering or the initial offering that they're, that they're making. Yep. We probably go to the same mediocre restaurant for the exact same reasons. <laughs> but, but it is it goes back to that genuine value, right? You know, you can go in there and your kid can be entertained for a little bit and you can just chill out for a hot second <laughs> and, and have a meal. Those are the things, as you mentioned, you know, purpose, convenience, giving you a minute of reprieve, all of those things matter. Definitely matter. Definitely matter. And I think, again, they're going to matter even more so in these coming days. You know, one of the things, Pam, that, that's also come up lately that I'm, I'm interested in your perspective is there's been a bunch of like online only e-com type brands that it's interesting because, you know, we, we hear, you know, sometimes retail is dead. People are only going to buy online, all that good stuff. And uh, what's interesting is, is we're actually seeing kind of quite the opposite in the sense of even e-com brands and, and digital first brands have started to look at brick and mortar locations to be able to extend that experience that they created online to their brick and mortar location. Now, whether this is a, you know, a really more like a showroom and a fulfillment center for them, or it's where someone can go experience the products, it's different for every brand. What's your perspective on what we're going to see uh, in, in the coming years in the brick and mortar side, as far as how brands extend their, their experience into locations? I think they need to take what's best of both worlds, right? Like brands need to do a good job of the convenience offered in digital, as we were talking about earlier. What are all the ways you can bring convenience into the brick and mortar location? And then what's amazing, and I don't think can ever be totally replicated in brick and mortar in terms of the touching and feeling and smelling and sampling you know, how can you, to the best of your ability, bring that to digital? So we've had a huge influx of candles and perfumes and, and things like that guiding you based on what it smells do you like, what tastes do you like, even, even coffee and like aroma and, and wine and things like that. There's obviously nothing that, that quite replicates actually being able to smell it or taste it. But certainly, again, take, get, getting a really good understanding of what those consumer preferences are and trying to guide them the right way, whether in-store and digital. It's, it's that convenience and guided selling and helping and assisting that I think needs to work both ways and bring the best of both worlds to the other. As you, uh, you kind of look to give advice to brick-and-mortar operators, what are some advice, and, and especially you know, given that you're CMO and really focused on marketing, which is one of the biggest areas that we get we have questions on is how do I market better to my customers? How do I engage better? What are three pieces of advice that you would give brick and mortar retailers that are looking to improve really their marketing strategy? The first is, and this sounds cliche, but again, we see it day in and out. How are you helping them? It has to help the consumer. So I go back to those forms of genuine value. Is it saving them time? Is it saving them money? Is it give, you know giving them a recommendation, testing them, teaching them, et cetera? Two is it's okay to fail. You're innovating and you're trying to find new ways to engage consumers. So I go by test, start small and, and, and test, test your way into things um, and make sure that it, that it's actually adding that benefit and it's working. And then I think the, the other piece is um, the timing just might not be right. Like we go back to QR codes or I worked with Stop and Shop for years and they tested these amazing in-store shoppers on the cart and scanning and everything else. And it wasn't that it was a bad idea. It was just, they were ahead of the market on their idea. So it's also okay to go back and revisit some of the things that, you know, it may not have been ready for it at the, at the time. 
That was a wealth of information, Pam. Thank you so much. Uh, before we let you go, is there anything that I forgot to, to ask that you want to make sure our listeners know? Yeah, I, I guess the, the one other piece I would say, especially for those listening that are thinking about Google and Apple's changes and first-party data, we often say, and we, we do a consumer data trust study twice a year, and the way we think about it now is, is especially the world I came from, it's less about big data and trying to collect everything and learn everything about a consumer. It's really for the brands to think about what are the, you know, the four or five things that if I knew would be game changers, I can really personalize their experience. I can really add value and make it better. And so what we'll always give our clients advice on is think about small data and data that matters and data that you're actually going to use versus just trying to collect anything and everything because you can. For a lot of brands, demographic doesn't mean anything. Like it doesn't actually help the experience, right? So think about what are those questions? What what are those data points that you can actually make a difference to the consumer using? Thank you so much, Pam. Thank you for your time today. I appreciate you spending some time with us. And I know our listeners are really going to enjoy this. So thank you for your time. Thank you. I really appreciate the time. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.